0: Hello, and welcome to One Real Good Thing, where we dive into one thing you can do today to propel your life in a healthy direction. I'm your host, Ellie Krieger. Now, we all know about the golden rule, but while that's a good one to follow, Mr. Manners says the platinum rule is even better. Find out just what he means by that and how going platinum can enrich your relationships and make a huge difference in your life. Mr. Manners, aka Thomas Farley, is America's trusted etiquette expert. He's a keynote speaker, workshop leader, syndicated columnist, and TV commentator who inspires people to master essential communication strategies for success in the workplace and in life, offering strategies for getting along and getting ahead in the modern era. Thomas is a regular and popular guest on NBC's Today Show and has a syndicated weekly newspaper column called "Ask Mr. Manners." Welcome, Mr. Manners, Thomas Farley, So good to have you here. Really appreciate you being here with us.
1: Thank you for the invitation, Ellie. I'm really looking for I love your podcast, and I'm really looking forward to the conversation.
0: Thank you so much. And I mean, I am every time I hear something you have to say, I am kind of like, wow, enlightened. So thank you for being here to enlighten us. And your one real good thing is to follow the platinum rule, which we're going to get into in a minute. But I really wanted to start off with getting to know more about you, with the audience getting to know more about you. And I'm actually fascinated by this, too. Like, how do you become an etiquette expert? How do you become this trusted etiquette expert? How do you become Mr. Manners? What's your path to get there?
1: Thank you. Well, it's funny, Elliot, I'm sometimes asked if Manners is actually my last name (laughs) by people (laughs) who legitimately don't realize that it's not. Uh, so, no, it's it has nothing to do with being named Manners or Mr. Manners. Uh, I was an editor at Town & Country magazine, and while I was there, I had a column called Social Graces, and it was among several columns that I helmed at the magazine, but it was my favorite, and it was a column that I think really dispelled with this myth that etiquette has to be something like what we might see in Downton Abbey, you know, super rigid, super formal, lovely to look at in a historical sense, but something that has absolutely no relevance to our lives in 2024. And editing that column at the time really gave me just such a wonderful opportunity to explore topics of the day. And while you may not need to know what utensil you need to use if you're having caviar, Uh, in Beverly Hills as Julia Roberts did in in Pretty Woman. Um, But you certainly need to know elevator etiquette. You certainly need to know, what do I do when the check comes and I've only had a small soup and somebody else had a big meal and they want to split it evenly. So these kind of everyday topics were the sorts of things that we tackled in this column, Social Graces, at Town & Country Magazine, which I, I helmed for about 10 years. While there, we did a book. And it was an anthology of the column. And that book was called Modern Manners. And when the book came out, Hearst, which owns Town & Country, said, we want to get you out there in media talking about this book. And I was thrilled because my dream from childhood was not to be a manners expert, but was to be working in TV. I wanted to be a TV reporter. And I used to do little book reports and illustrations, and me with the microphone reporting live from the scene. So, the chance to actually go out and do something that I had dreamed of, but really had taken a career detour, uh, was a delight. And much to my pleasant surprise, the networks really took to this message of contemporary etiquette, approachable modern etiquette. And so, from those early days promoting the book, I forged wonderful relationships with the networks, both national and local. Uh, And in the time since, my gosh, I have done a show on Sirius XM on the Martha Stewart uh, Living Radio Network. I have had my own podcast, not not nearly as big and wonderful as yours, but I did it for a season during the pandemic and I do regular TV appearances. And I also, in addition to my media work, I now have taken that platform and I go out and I speak with groups large and small, corporate groups, universities, other organizations, on the importance of putting your best foot forward in every interaction. So from the germ of an idea uh, back when I was a young editor at Town & Country Magazine has really become a whole platform and a privilege for me, frankly, Ellie, to be able to bring this message of kindness, consideration, and more professional communication, which I think is something, especially post-pandemic, Something that we're really in need of and need of focusing on.
0: Yeah, I'm thank you for that. And I can just envision you, little you, little boy with a microphone. <laughs> I just love that that mental picture. So thank you for that. So I think you're really getting at this when you talk about kindness and consideration and building relationships. But in case people don't understand or they think the idea of etiquette Is antiquated, like you have to, like it's worrying about which side your fork is on or which one you have to pick up. Why does it matter? Why does etiquette matter so much? And how, in general, does it make our life better?
1: I love this question. Thank you for that. So etiquette, the word etiquette itself, which, again, has connotations of, uh, you know, Queen Victoria sitting in a locked room and forging in iron rules that were to be followed for centuries henceforth, um, is actually the farthest thing from the truth. So the word etiquette, it's derived from the word etiquette in French, which means tickets. So I like to say that etiquette is your ticket to better, smoother, more pleasant interactions with those around you. So you may think of, when you think of etiquette, there's always this knee-jerk reaction, I, you know, and I get anytime I, well, actually two things, Ellie. Number one, if I'm ever sitting down with strangers at a table and they learn what I do, they're immediately petrified that they're gonna make a misstep next to me and then I'm gonna be there critiquing them or pulling out some secret notebook, giving them demerits, which of course is not my style at all. I really strive to be approachable and non-threatening. And I, myself, am continually learning and far from perfect. So that's that would be um, the number one thing I would say. But the other thing is to really change and shift the way people think about what etiquette is and can be. And the fact is that etiquette by its very design is supposed to evolve. So what might have been perfectly appropriate etiquette in the mid 17th or 18th or 19th or even the mid 20th century is not necessarily what we think of as good etiquette today. If you think about uh, the horrible institutional racism that existed, if you think about the sexism, the roles that women were supposed to play in mid mid 20th century America, we are far from that. And yet at the time, Those were the norms of society, at least in Western culture, of what was expected. So etiquette, truly, it's not frozen in time. It's designed to evolve. And I think we really, truly saw that during the pandemic where I, as a TV expert, was being hit hit with tons of questions on, gosh, what do I do if I'm in the grocery store and someone's not wearing a mask next to me? I mean, these were not questions I had ever entertained and the world had not witnessed a pandemic for a full century before that. So fortunately, and and I like to say that before there was even such a thing as a vaccine, we had etiquette as as truly our only hope for keeping one another safe, secure, feeling healthy, and and hopefully free of COVID. Uh, Not that, that it was perfect, but it was, it was, at the time, it was our best solution, being mindful and considerate of others. So etiquette, I think, is truly important. And, and why does it exist apart from a pandemic? We all find ourselves, in, our, in the course of our lifetimes, in situations that are different, that are new to us. And without some sort of a common playbook that we can all abide by, we really have no way of ensuring that we don't bring unintentional embarrassment onto ourselves or onto our hosts or onto others. So for example, you go to a wedding, a church wedding, and you know this, the tradition is that the family and the friends of the groom would sit on the right-hand side of a church and the friends and the family of a bride would sit on the left-hand side of the church. Now, if you sit on the wrong side, are you gonna bring eternal shame to your family for generations? Absolutely not. But even something as, as seemingly arbitrary as that actually does have a reason and a history attached to it. So sometimes the background of etiquette is more historical and charming and kind of quirky and interesting in the modern era. And in other cases, it's a vital way for us to know how to interact so that we can all feel comfortable in any situation.
0: I love the notion of etiquette evolving. And I think what I'm hearing, and maybe maybe I just want it to be this way, but I do think What I hear you saying is how etiquette can help us um, have better, smoother interactions and enrich our relationships, and I think focusing on that aspect of it, whereas perhaps before etiquette was used to keep people in line, to keep classes, class structures in place and so on, and maybe those things needed to be broken out of and we need to evolve away from those things. But that doesn't mean throwing the baby out with the bathwater. So the good stuff about etiquette that helps us enrich our relationships. And I, for me, in terms of this podcast and one real good thing and making your life better, there are few things that make your life better than having richer, more meaningful, smoother relationships, whether it is out in your immediate community, whether it's in your workplace, whether it's with your friends or family. And etiquette can really help you do that. And I think I'm leading right now into the one real good thing, basically, because let's talk about the Platinum Rule. What is the Platinum Rule? How can it help us do all of those things that I just mentioned? And why is it better than the Golden Rule?
1: (laughs) Sure. So that is the perfect segue. And I love that. I love that you've put those two pieces together. So generally, people are aware of what's known as the Golden Rule, which is do unto others as you would like to have done unto you. And candidly, if we all followed just that basic rule, all of us universally, there is no question we'd live in a culture and a world that was far better and more pleasant and uh, easier to get along than the one we presently have. Uh, so I think that golden rule is certainly a gold standard, and I'm I'm happy to advocate for that on any day of the week. The next level up, though, is the one that I really like to advocate for, and that's known as the platinum rule, which you've just referenced. And the platinum rule—we know platinum is a little more expensive and, and precious than gold. The platinum rule is to do unto others as you think they would like to have done to themselves. So the and it may sound like a, a fine line that we're that we're parsing here. But the the golden rule, you're kind of projecting yourself onto someone else and thinking, well, this is how I like to be treated. So I presume, Ellie, you like to be treated the same way. When in fact, that may be entirely different. Someone might be an introvert, for example, and you as an extrovert might think, well, they want to chit chat and they want to be engaged and they want lots of questions in front of a large group in the way that I would as an extrovert. When in fact, you're pushing them into an area that's the farthest thing from what they themselves would want. So the platinum rule requires this extra level of awareness and empathy where you're truly putting yourself in the shoes of that person as that person and being mindful and aware of the way they would like to be treated. And if you don't know, you you ask, you, you, pr- you probe them with that and say, you know, I, we've never spoken about this, but in X situation, I know for myself, I particularly enjoy X, Y, Z, But before I presume that that's the way you would also like to be, is is that true for you? Or is there another way that you'd like to be treated or interacted with? And what, I mean, how rare is that conversation? And yet, how value, I mean, if someone came to me and asked me that question, I'd say, wow, this is someone whose EQ, their emotional quotient is super high and wonderful. And definitely someone I want to be friends with and want to be around.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And what I really love about this is that it requires listening. So rather than just projecting what we think people want and going through the world with our perspective from our vantage point we're now re- making pushing ourselves to see the world from a different set of eyes we're pr- we're um moving ourselves to listen to what a person wants and their perspective and that is really truly platinum i mean that is amazing stuff right there And I'm just thinking of an example, a really innocuous, sort of cute example. (laughs) But my husband hates like anniversaries of any kind. We've been married 26 years. I've known this from the very beginning of us dating. He just doesn't, he thinks time is a construct. He doesn't like being told when to celebrate something or when to give flowers or whatever. But for me, to have my birthday or our anniversary recognized. That's important to me. And I value those rituals and I value that year going by and that marking of time. And I also respect that he couldn't care less about that in general, right? But the fact that I tell him that and he listens to me and then he still celebrates those anniversaries and my birthday, and and that is a sign of love to me. Um, And maybe, you know, it, it doesn't have to be Elaborate or extensive, but I know that he's pushing himself beyond his own comfort zone because he knows that that's my value. So I think that I think about that, that he's following the platinum rule in that area
1: that's that's such a vivid example. and and it also, what I love about that, Ellie, is it it raises a real conundrum. So you've got essentially two goals, two ways of interacting that are at conflict so this is not simply i know you like this and i know this is what you want so i'm going to interact that way it's actually and you know it's not a massive conflict here i don't imagine but you know the converse would be do you in what way do you respect his desire to to not mark these so in fact and if i might be so bold so for his birthday for example not a shared occasion for the both of you would you would you simply say well i'm sorry but you deserve a big celebration so here we go hoo ha you and 100 closest friends or or you pull back and you you give him the sort of birthday recognition or not uh that he would be looking to have
0: yeah i absolutely will say like what do you feel like doing for your birthday like i will not make a big to do or Impose anything on him. And it's kind of nice because I don't, that takes a little burden <laughs> off of me. Hey, what do you want to do? And it's usually he just wants to go fishing or something. So, okay.
1: <laughs> Happy nice.
0: birthday, honey. I'll buy him, yes. you know, buy him a little sort of touching gift, but nothing extravagant and something like that to recognize it.
1: Yes. That's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, again, to to kind of extend the analogy, it's the equivalent of say a parent buying a gift for their child. That's really more for the parent and not for the gift. That would be an example of not following the platinum rule. It's well, you know, I love basketball. So here you go. Here's your basketball and meanwhile the child has zero interest in basketball and the parents really but that's not the platinum rule that's just saying well i like it so i'm sure you will too versus the parent who really digs a little bit deeper and learns what the true interests and curiosity of the child is and giving a gift that reflects their own internal interests and abilities Uh, that would be the platinum rule at work with something very tangible
0: yeah and then if you let's say it's a niece or a nephew you don't see them very often it gives you a chance to get to know them so to inquire hey what are you into these days or and then this opens up the communication and then these communication channels enrich your life in so many ways so this is i just want to really tie this back to how it can make your life so much better um one aspect that i would love to talk with you about that is a etiquette aspect that really kind of I find is certainly new and, and uh, in the past 25 years is sort of cell phone etiquette. I feel like we have a real issue with that. And maybe there's some plat- platinum rule stuff there. I mean, for example, right. my yoga teacher was telling me that in the middle of class, someone started videoing themselves in the yoga class and people were in the background and stuff. Like, But this person obviously didn't seem to have any concern about this. So I feel like even just stepping back, if you feel like shooting a cute little video of yourself, like thinking about the other people in the room, is they, maybe that person, if that person was following the golden rule, maybe they wouldn't mind being recorded in yoga. But maybe everyone else around them does. <laughs> so yes. there's one example. I don't know if you have any kind of ideas or tips about people regarding cell phones.
1: Sure, sure. Well, this is a real minefield. And in fact, I just, it's funny you're bringing this up because I just today saw a very humorous reel on Instagram and it was a uh, someone dressed up as a passenger on the Titanic. And it was a young person, so of course they had their phone out and they were filming it and they're you know be, before before I get in the lifeboat, um could you make sure to like my reel? he's he's asking his followers <laughs> as as the the Titanic is about to go down and he's about to get into the lifeboat. So I think Ellie, it's it's a combination of cell phones, yes, 100 percent and and there the issue is, that conversations, activity that normally, not normally really, but that in olden times, you were tethered to a wall. You were in a sealed phone booth if you were in a public place. Now you're having conversations, you are FaceTiming while you're walking, you're on a train, thank goodness. And, and I am really looking to work with the airline industry in the United States to ensure that, and right now it is prohibited um, but that you do not use the Wi-Fi on board to make a phone call or a video call while you're on an, an airplane in the air, I, you know, bad enough to be sitting in a middle seat. But can you imagine sitting next to two people who are mid-conversation at the top of their lungs for five hours? I I, I don't know. It seems we're going there and I really want to do everything I can to prevent that from happening. Yes, I'm on
0: board. You... I will sign the posi- I will sign the <laughs> petition right now. Please. Send it over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we the the train has already left the station. Sadly, if you'll forgive the pun on train use of of cell phones and video. But we definitely, I mean, at least on a train, you can get up and you can change your seat or change your position on a subway, but not not so easy on an airplane. So yes, I think having, having a phone in our pocket everywhere we go, feeling the need to broadcast and, you know, Generation Z and, and younger millennials get a lot of flack for this, but Candidly, it's not those generations only. You see, grandpas and grandmas sitting on their phones at dinner tables. So I really say my my overall mantra, and maybe this could be a, a topic for another uh, podcast episode because it's it's one I feel really passionate about, and there's so much to say. But it's putting people before pixels. So focus on those in your midst, the people who are physically present with you, and not pixels on a phone. If you think of, and you know, Ellie too, how difficult it is to pull together a group of friends from high school or college to get together for a, a little dinner, a catch up. And you know, you'll know you be in a restaurant, you look around and you think, oh my gosh, there's a table of clearly 10 good friends and every single one of them is on their phone. And I think it's really unfortunate. I get it. We know the, the brain science that we read on this tells us that these apps and phones are designed, it's a dopamine hit, it's designed to be addictive. I understand, but I think resisting that temptation and focusing truly on the people we're with, I think the interactions are that much happier, smoother, pleasant, and meaningful.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And actually, cell phones are actually off limits at my table at home. But it's interesting with the platinum rule when I think about it because and cell phones, because I'm pretty adamant about that um, and my whole family's used to it. So it's just like, that's our habit. So that's important. But I had a a guest over, uh, my husband's friend, and he was on his phone at my table. And I asked him if he would please, we were eating dinner. And I asked Mm -hmm. him if he could please, if it was important, if he didn't mind please leaving the table to use his phone. And i said it nicely and I wasn't shaming him or anything, but I was like, this is my sacred space kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. I think about maybe he doesn't, like in terms of the platinum rule, should I have Mm -hmm. broken my rule because he didn't. He didn't mind using mm-hmm. the cell phone at the table, so in that case, I still feel like I didn't want the cell phone at my table. <laughs> so maybe sure. I I wouldn't have broken. I wouldn't have gone with the platinum rule in that instance.
1: It's a, you know that's a really great uh, inquiry on the platinum rule, and and here's what I would say to that: following the platinum rule doesn't mean, and we're not going to put cell phone use at the table at this level, but. Following the platinum rule doesn't mean you allow a mugger to do what they want to do because that's what they want to do and you're going to be the nice person and let them proceed. Of course, we have to, as a society and as a host, as as you were in that situation, we have standards to maintain and, all, and we have to look out, I think, for the greater good. So in that instance, presumably, this was not the only guest at your table, in addition to you and your husband, you presumably had other people there. I think you were looking out, you were curating an experience, and you had a vision in mind of what you wanted for your guests. Uh, I hope he complied, and I hope when he did, he realized that he had been missing out on some really great conversation and focusing, I can only imagine, the wonderful menu served at a dinner party at your house. Uh, So that... I think is is a, an example where the platinum rule perhaps doesn't apply in the way that we we need to. It's more if you're if you're interacting on a one to one basis with someone and you're constantly projecting your way of being treated onto the other person, then they're going to feel disregarded. But uh, by the same token, a guest in anyone's home. Should realize they're a guest. and they're, you know, for example, you might you might require people to take off their shoes when they enter their your home. And if they say, "Well, sorry, I want to keep my shoes on, and I don't like your silly rule. Uh, they're really being not very good guests. and I, and I bet they would not be invited back. So the platinum rule is really for those deeper, more meaningful interactions, uh, not something where you've got a standard that is important to you that they should simply violate. I do say, that having good manners does not mean being a doormat. Having good manners means that you're showing kindness and consideration to others. But if they're showing a lack of kindness and consideration to you, which is really what was happening in this instance, not deliberate, perhaps, but unwittingly, then I think it is important to speak up and say something.
0: Oh that's really interesting. So and I think then the etiquette part of that is sort of your approach. So not yelling at the person or embarrassing them or making them feel ashamed, but rather saying some I mean I feel like I handled that part of it well is saying like if you if this is super important if you wouldn't mind please stepping away from the table to take it. So not assuming that there was ill intent, not assuming, not judging or whatever. So I think that's part of it. But I, I love that notion of that. It doesn't mean you have to tolerate everyone's mm. stuff, right? You don't have to be a doormat, but just you know opening up. And it really becomes about, and I think, again, this is why it fits so perfectly into the one real good thing in making your life better, because it opens up channels of communication between all people, and we can express ourselves, and we can stand our ground in a way that Explains and expresses ourselves in a non judgmental way. And we can listen to others and understand there are other perspectives. So I just love this notion of etiquette being something that makes your life better. And I think most people probably have not thought about it in that light.
1: That's right. I, you know, I, I would like to think that most people, human nature tells us to be good and kind in our interactions. and and there are some obviously who don't follow that guide, that essential elemental guideline, which by the way, is manners. So I do draw the line, uh, a distinction between what is etiquette and what is manners. And again, I think people use them interchangeably. Uh, Etiquette is what we've been discussing, these these specific guidelines that help guide the way we interact in a given social situation. Whereas manners is not really a set of rules. Manners is simply... Treating others with kindness and respect, without any specific rules attached to that. So manners, good. What what constituted good manners seven hundred years ago is what constitutes good manners today. Being nice, being thoughtful, being empathetic. What constituted good etiquette seven hundred years ago is drastically different uh, from what we follow today. So I think it's it's kind of a, a fun point to explore. And and although again, etiquette tends to have this. Trusty reputation, um, conversations like this help dispel that and shed some light on the potential of following good etiquette and, of course, the platinum rule.
0: So just um, before we wrap up, I wanted to just ask you, We I started talking about dinner party and cell phone use. Another issue that I would love to get your take on with regard to dinner parties is everyone seems to have a different food preference or be on a certain diet plan now or whatever it may be. This one's not eating carbs. This one's vegan. This one's has a gluten allergy. There's so many different elements to this. So how from an etiquette perspective would you approach that both as a host and how to create a menu or ask people this um, and accommodate people in a reasonable way. But also as a guest, how do you deal with that? I mean, sometimes it's just like a preference. Like I'm just going to back up for a minute because my daughter um she just the one thing she doesn't like is chicken. <laughs> She's like mm-hmm. the only growing up the only child in the world who wouldn't eat chicken and she, you know, she'll eat snails but not chicken. So I don't know. <laughs> but uh-huh. that's fine. Um, but I taught her to kind of like, we don't even say that at somebody, going into somebody's home. You just make do with what you're served. So I kind of taught her to do that. And um, and it's always worked out fine. <laughs> um, but I'm not sure. Maybe there's a better way that you can suggest.
1: Well, this is, this is the issue of our times. And it's one that resonates very deeply with me because I'm a strict pescatarian. Uh, I haven't had... Red meat or poultry in gosh, probably fifteen years. not not even you know, I'm not it's not that I'm doing meatless Mondays. It's, I mean, it is it is my chosen lifestyle. Um, and I'm the same way actually with wheat. So uh, this makes me, I'll tell you, it makes me a challenging house guest. and I hate that because my whole uh, philosophy when it comes to all of this is not, imposing restrictions or difficulty on someone who's gracious enough to invite me to their home. Uh, but I would say, starting with the host, I think it's vital in this age that we live in to, of course, inquire of any dietary restrictions of your guests. Now, mine are not allergies. Mine are are lifestyle choices. But again, they're not flexible choices. They're choices that I buy by 100%. I just, led a, just got back from Denver and I led a dining etiquette workshop there in a restaurant. That was family style and one of the attendees at the workshop whispered in my ear and said i don't know what to do i have a deathly deathly allergy to both shellfish and peanuts and the boss was kind of ordering for the table and the dishes were coming out and there was you know Any cross-contamination literally would have sent this person to the hospital. So clearly, if you're in that position, uh, you don't want to jeopardize life and limb by wanting to be the nice house guest. I think the difference between, if we look at this as a spectrum, that being on one extreme, and maybe your daughter's aversion to chicken being on the other, I think there's a difference between thinking that something's yucky and just not loving it and actually making a true choice, again, because of an allergy on the, on the one extreme a lifestyle choice as it is for me or just having a preference for something and you're not particularly fond of it those are differences so i think if you can consume what's being served without any violation of an internal principle or health issues I think you should. So I think your guidance to your daughter is correct. Uh, But for hosts, I think it really is important to inquire first and foremost, do you have any dietary restrictions that I should be aware of? I also think that the tried and true for just about everyone is some sort of a great salad or great vegetable side dishes. This works for the keto folks. This works for the vegetarians. It works for the vegans. It works for the pescatarians, and it works for the omnivores. They may be disappointed that there's not a big slab of beef uh, or shrimp sliced into the salad. But I think as a host, as long as you have a multitude of very vegetable forward dishes, that should be your non you know, I, I have yet to meet the person. They may not like vegetables, but I've yet to meet the person who says, I'm sorry, I, I as a lifestyle choice, I do not eat vegetables uh, <laughs> or, or they send me into crazy allergies. So that's that's a nice catch all for the attendee. You put forward your restrictions within reason. If you are on a macrobiotic diet or if you're a locavore and you'll only eat food that's been sourced from within a 5-mile radius of your host's home, I think that is truly unreasonable and you know what if you're going to live by that way of eating, all the power to you, but do not expect your host to accommodate that. That's above and beyond. A host can't be t- serving 17 different types of entrees for 17 different types of food restrictions. So I think in that case, you either be willing to put aside your dietary preference for that evening, or you offer to bring one or two or three dishes that you can enjoy yourself and that you can share with the other guests at the event. And who knows, maybe they'll they'll become macrobiotic locavores too after after consuming the food that you bring, but I would not impose that on a host.
0: Yeah. I love your approach in general of dealing with some of these things by offering to help actually, as opposed to requiring somebody else to do something for you. So this notion of like, hey, I can bring a dish or whatever um, is really helpful, I think. Um, Oh my gosh, Mr. Manners, Thomas Farley, thank you so much for being here. I love the Platinum Rule. I'm really going to think a lot about the Platinum Rule and carry it with me moving forward in my interaction. So I really appreciate that. And I think the listeners will too. Um, Is there anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? And also please do let us know where um, we can find you, your website address.
1: Sure, thank you. Well, first of all, I I don't know you super well, but from everything I have seen and listened to and know in our interactions, you do follow the Platinum rule. So thank you for the goodness that you're putting out there and encouraging your listenership and your subscribers to do the same. And, and what an honor to, to speak with you. I, I, I feel very privileged. Um, I do, as I mentioned, I do workshops on all of this, on considerate communication. And just very briefly, I do one of the workshops I do, it's called the Communication Jungle, where you actually learn what style of communicator you are and how to interact with uh, styles that are different from your own. So that's a really fun one, It's, it's super popular. So for any of your, corporate listeners or those who work for a company who might be interested in scheduling that sort of a workshop or keynote, which I also do. Happy to do that. My website is Mr. and that's Mr. Spelled Out, M-A-S-T-E-R hyphen manners.com. And on all social media, I'm also Mr. Manners and that's Mr. Spelled Out. And I would love, I'd happily welcome questions, comments, likes, uh, or suggestions for future topics, any of the TV segments that I do. So thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you for being here. I'll also have a link to your website on my website, on this page, on this pod page. And what a joy to have you here. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and all that you do.
1: Thank you so much, Ellie.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you're inspired to follow the Platinum Rule. I know I am. Join me next time for another One Real Good Thing.